the therapeutic effects of the cross of Christ. You know, the word therapy means treatment intended to relieve or heal a disorder. Is there a disorder? Well, I think there's a disorder of fear. There's a disorder of alienation from God. And so what happened at the cross, it is truly therapeutic. Let, let me read my key scripture, Galatians chapter 6 and verse 14. May it never be that I would boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither is circumcision anything nor uncircumcision but a new creation. To put that in wording that we can relate to, whether you are super religious, that's not anything, you adhere to all the rules of your church, or whether you are not involved in religion. None of that really matters anymore. What matters is, have you become a new creation in Jesus Christ? You know, Paul in his writing, you find here in Galatians specifically, but in all of his epistles, he's very concerned that the cross of Jesus Christ will not lose its effectiveness, that God's grace will not be in vain, and so he talks about what the cross of Jesus has accomplished. It's powerful. It is therapeutic. It, it has behavioral effects on us. I want to list some of them for you today. Number one, the cross is where our sins were removed. You know, this is the gigantic cause of all religion. Religion, much of it is to mitigate, to deal with, People's sins, shame, feeling of regret, and unworthiness. You know, through various sacraments and rituals, priests and pastors and religious leaders are seeking to mitigate the effects of sin. But here comes the radical gospel. You know, as John the Baptist said, there is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Let's look at how the Hebrew writer put this in Hebrews 9.26. Once at the end of the ages, he has appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Jesus' sacrifice put away sin. The previous chapter, Hebrews 8.12, I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Think about the profoundity of this. You know, this is the struggle of people everywhere. Sacrifices, offerings. People say, I got to make it right with God. Sometimes somebody says to another person, have you made everything right with God? Which is actually a very pretentious question. As if we could make things right. How many prayers? How many sacrifices, how many meditations would it take for us to make things right with God? No, the gospel tells us that Christ, by his sacrifice on the cross, has made things right. And as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed, remitted our sins from us. You see, there's a therapeutic effect to this. Once this really sinks in, we move from being sin conscious to being righteousness conscious. 
We are conscious that Christ is my righteousness. But not only conscious of it, we begin to walk in that. You see, even, even a presidential pardon doesn't mean the person is not guilty. They've just been pardoned. And certainly the blood of Christ is our pardon, but it's much more. Our sins are remitted. They are gone. We no longer need a tutor, as Paul calls the religious system, because we have discovered the power of God's grace. You see, the Bible logic is that we are not guilty because Jesus Christ carried our guilt, our shame, our sin with him, and when he died, we died with him. That, that is fantastic. I mean, think about it. Meditate on it. Your sins have been put away. Jesus gave a foretaste of this when he said to the lame man coming down through the roof, your sins are forgiven. But then there's more. The cross and the resurrection is the power that makes us new creations in Christ. So it doesn't just put away our sin. It makes us new creations in Christ, both the cross and the resurrection. You see, that, that's something very different from trying to be a Christian, trying to be nice and decent and spiritual and hardworking. All those are good things. But, you know, being a Christian is not you and I trying to live up to a certain standard. No. God, through Jesus Christ on the cross, took away our sin. And we receive that, and it does something to us. It does something in us. That's why Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It, it's powerful. So that Paul even says that after the, the resurrection of Jesus, we don't recognize people according to the flesh. So we don't look at people like that. We look at people different. See, see before Jesus went to the cross, there was uh, the, the religious system called the law. And the purpose of the law was to magnify sin, to make people realize how grievous and how bad sin was. And that was especially useful for those who thought they were very good in their own eyes. Those who thought, you know, we call it self-righteous. So that Paul comes to the conclusions in Romans 3 that all have sinned. There's not one righteous, no, not one. But after the cross and the resurrection of Jesus, what matters is, that we receive the new life that he offers us. You see, this, this levels the playing field between the nice young man and woman raised in church, going to Sunday school, memorizing Bible verses, with a person raised in a home of drug addiction who him or herself became a drug addict or, or a pimp or whatever. It levels the playing field because we all need to become a new creation. Now, to many people, that's a very attractive message. Especially to people who have this sense, of, I need help. I messed up. You know, I need help. Those people, they say, oh, preach it, Pastor Peter. Oh, this is good news. There's hope for me. I have a, I'm on a level playing field with everybody else. But sometimes to the person who feels self-sufficient, well, you know, my own good works should account for something. They don't get so excited about this message. But I say, don't be discouraged. Look at the super-religious Pharisee, the Apostle Paul. This is how he describes this whole thing. We, I, I'm going to read it out of Philippians chapter 3. And I'm going to read selectively there, but you'll get the main point. He says, we rejoice in Christ Jesus, and we have no confidence in the flesh, though I also might have confidence in the flesh. The flesh here means my self-effort. 
I don't have confidence in that. He says. If anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, in his own effort to do things, to please God, in other words, Paul says, I even more so. And then he gives his religious pedigree. He says, I was circumcised the eighth day. I'm of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews concerning the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, I was persecuted in the church, concerning the righteousness which is through the law. I'm blameless. I mean, Paul is telling everybody, I have a pretty well impeccable past. And then he says, but what things were gained to me, I thought this was a plus, this was a gain. These I counted loss for Christ. Indeed, I also count all things loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, that I might gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. He says, what I thought was a plus, it's a minus. See, we might have said, well, you know, I've been kind of religious and I've been doing good religious things, but I guess it didn't hurt anything, you know. I tried my best. I guess it didn't hurt. No, that's not what Paul is saying. He's saying it hurt me. He said, it's a loss. I thought it was a plus, but it's not even a zero. It's a loss. That, that's quite radical. See, many people even that have received a new life in Christ and say, well, you know, I was... I was a good church member before, I guess, pretty good after all. Well, I can understand you think maybe it spared you from some things, but, and, and that could be true in that area. But as far as acceptance to God, if anything, that was a loss because you counted on something that was of no avail. <laughs> That's why I, I say I'd rather, be, I'd rather be a drunken sailor. Not that I want to be a drunken sailor, but I'd rather be a drunken sailor than a deacon of the church who is not born of God, hasn't received the new creation life. I, there's more hope for that drunken sailor. That's my point. You see, this is therapeutic because this brings closure. You say, you mean I can have a new life? You can become a new creation. You know, the, back in, uh, many years ago, when, when communism was starting to spread its idea throughout the world and how it was going to help people, somebody coined the phrase, well, the communist will put a new suit on every man, but the gospel will put a new man in every suit. And so, uh, uh, thank God for the gospel. There's closure to the old life. It makes you brand new. But then there's more, and you'll want to stay for this one. The cross empowers a new behavior. Some might say, oh, Pastor Peter, you're just talking about, a, uh, you know, the finished work of Jesus and us becoming new creation and then we can do whatever we want. No, no, no. You become a love slave of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it is this power of the gospel that empowers a new life of dedication. Look at what Paul writes here. This is Bible logic. Colossians 3. If then you were raised or resurrected with Christ... Seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of, of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. So notice the two things that he puts as a foundation here is that you have been risen with Christ, and you have died with Christ. His death, his resurrection affects you. You're included. 
And since that is the case, he says, therefore, put to death fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desires, covetousness, which is idolatry. Put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Don't lie to one another. So notice here what the premise is. Paul doesn't say, well, you know, if you, if you, if you talk filthy, if you're angry, if you, haven't, if you fornicate, if you're unclean, it's going to make your pastor very disappointed. You don't want to hurt your mama. You don't want to hurt your pastor. Oh, it's going to hurt your reputation. Uh, those could be all motivations. But that is not the Bible logic. The Bible logic is see who you are. Don't you see who you are? You are, you died with Christ and your life is hidden with Christ in God and you are risen with Christ. Get a true perspective of who you are. And since you now see who you are, therefore, you don't need to fornicate. You don't need to tell dirty jokes. You don't need to cuss. You don't need to have an anger outburst because you are a new creation. You see, in the epistles, in the New Testament, in the New Covenant, after the day of Pentecost, all the warnings, all the admonitions are not on the basis, do this or else, but it's on the basis of who you are. You see, identify with who you are. This is a message that, that needs to be proclaimed. You see, I, I say our society doesn't needs to hear this. They haven't heard it. Church members, many places haven't heard that. Now, I trust if you're a part of the, uh, the Toronto Celebration Church and you're acquainted with our ministry, maybe you receive teachings through different ways. You've heard this in many different ways from many different perspectives, and so it's begun to sink into you. But, you know, I want to say we who are preachers today we're not greater than Paul. We're not greater than Jesus. They, Paul didn't think he could change people's lives by just sharing principles and wisdom nuggets and motivational speeches or to scare them, saying, if you don't do this, then God's going to punish you. He didn't do any of that. So why do we think that we can change people's lives Pastors seem to think if I just tell them, you know, 10 ways to overcome this temptation and they can memorize all 10, then that no, we're not greater than Jesus. We're not greater than Paul. We need to use uh, gospel therapy, the therapy of the cross and the resurrection, which is, don't you know who you are? You are crucified and risen with Christ. Now act like you are. Be yourself. Don't try to be a Christian. Be who you are, but first get to know who you are. Oh, I'm a new creation. I'm crucified with Christ. Christ lives in me. This is an outstanding, brilliant, phenomenal message that we have, and yet many haven't heard it. Oh, this is therapeutic. Be who you are. Spend some time on it. Think about it. Meditate on it. Who am I really? Maybe you heard all your life, well, you're this or you're that. Maybe even your parents, they didn't mean anything bad with it, but they said you're a little bit like this and you're a little bit like that and you take after your grandfather and this and they mention different negative traits. Now, now stop and think who you really are. 
You're identified with Jesus Christ. That's therapeutic. Now, I got to give you more. The cross, here's another therapeutic effect, eliminates barriers between people. Today, we think we're very involved and enlightened, and maybe in some ways we are, but we still have a lot of racism, a lot of bigotry, and the cross has a therapeutic effect that eliminates barriers between people. Let me read from Ephesians 2 here. It says about Jesus, He has made both one. They're speaking out here in context of the Jewish people and the Gentile people, but it applies to all situations. He has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in His flesh the enmity. Enmities. What is that? Well, let's keep reading the sentence. The enmity. That is, here it comes, the law of commandments contained in ordinances so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace, and that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. So here was the enmity. The Jewish people had their religion, they had their law, they had their ordinances, and they felt, oh, we, we, we're different, we're different. And then the Gentiles felt, well, who do you think you are? So there was this, there was this envy, there was this uh, rivalry. But now with the cross, whether you're circumcised or like the Jewish people were, or uncircumcised like, I don't know, the British, I don't know, I guess wherever this uncircumcision, whatever, whatever you are, we're one new man through Jesus Christ. So this does away with anti-Semitism. It does away with, with, with racism. So, so even though Paul here is speaking to Jews versus Gentiles, I think we can uh, speak in, in a greater context. This applies to all of us. You know, in, in the context of the Old Testament, there was like an, a, an apartheid. It was like a separation, first of all, between God and the people and then between the high priest and the people, and then the high priest and the other priest, because only the high priest was allowed to go into the most holy place, and then there was a separation between uh, all the priesthood and the regular folks, then there was a separation between men and women, and then, as I said, between Jews and Gentiles. So, so religion is a lot about separation, separation, uh, primarily between God and people. But you see what Jesus did by taking our sin on the cross, he broke down the very demolished, the illusion of separation. There's no need to be condescending towards anyone. There's no need to think that one race is better than the other. There's no need to think in a racist kind of a way. That has been torn down. What a therapeutic effect this is. So we can say, we're not racist. How can we say that? On the basis of what Jesus has done. And you say, well, I still have some racist feelings. Well, let, let the therapeutic effects of any wall of separation being demolished by Jesus, let it sink in. Meditate on that. And you'll find whatever you know, prejudices you may have carried with you for whatever length of time, they will begin to dissipate. It's a therapeutic effect of the cross in the name of Jesus Christ. So beautiful. That's why Paul says there's neither Jew nor Gentile, male nor female, there's no bond nor free. We are all one in Christ Jesus. See, when this sinks in, that's how we look at people. 
That's how we evaluate people. It's a therapeutic effect of the cross. Here's another one. The cross frees us to forgive and love others. Oh, how many times haven't we heard uh, teachings and you must forgive, you must forgive. We must walk in forgiveness. We must walk in love. And, and of course, this is very good and true. But some people say, well, I try. I try, but how do I do it? And so they say, we'll pray for you more. So we pray and pray and pray and pray. And they said, I've been prayed for. And some of them try to cast some demon of unforgiveness out of you or whatever. You pray and pray. And you say, I still have this, this, this thing in my heart. Well, receive the therapeutic effects of the cross. Here's how Paul said it to the Ephesians. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Why should we be kind? Why tender-hearted? Because of what happened on the cross. What happened on the cross? The blood of Christ was shed for the remission of sins. You are forgiven, so forgive others. And, and, and this is such a big topic. I want to read uh, just in the next epistle over uh, to the Colossians, Paul talks about the same thing again. He says, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bear with one another, forgive one another. If anybody has a complaint against one another, as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. Notice this, as Christ forgave you. Why should I turn the other cheek? Why should I bear with people you, you know, you know, who have done wrong? You see, once you realize that Christ forgave you, forgave me, you realize how silly it is to talk to God about other people's sins, or even about your own sins for that matter, other than just saying, Lord Jesus, thank you that you have forgiven me and to walk in the light and say, Lord, help me. I'm struggling in this area, but I thank you that your blood cleanses me from all sin. I'm not talking about that we shouldn't be open, but I'm saying to, to kind of over and over repeat and go over the same thing again, how silly that is, especially in regards to other people. As Christ already forgave you, this is therapeutic. So if you say, I've tried everything. I've been prayed for. I've gone to special weekend, you know, seminars where they were majoring on this, where they were specializing in, in healing your soul from unforgiveness, and I still have the unforgiveness. Uh, why don't you just practice Bible logic, uh, gospel logic? <laughs> Do this. Say, I'm not going to try to forgive. I'm just going to meditate on how much Christ has forgiven me. And you just say, I'm not thinking of other people's sins. I'm thinking about how much God in Christ forgave me. And you do that for a little bit, and all of a sudden, it's like the light is going to go from 60 watt to a 1,000 watt light. You're going to say, I see it. I'm forgiven. It was silly of me to hold grudge against other people. It's a therapeutic effect. One more. The cross affects our view of the world. Remember my text here was, God forbid that I should boast in anything except for the cross of Christ by which I have been crucified the world to the world and the world to me. He says, 
Paul says, the cross affects how I see the world. It has a therapeutic effect. I, I didn't see the world proper. There was a disorder. I needed a treatment to see it in a correct way. And in, in one place he says it this way. He says, we are ambassadors for Christ. You, you know, an ambassador is someone who has continual contact with his home country, but is also totally immersed in the country where he or she lives. For example, if, if you're an ambassador uh, for a certain country and you go to another country, will you learn the customs of that country? You learn how to get along in that country, but you also have constant contact to the home base. And so we are ambassadors of Christ. We are ambassadors of the kingdom of heaven, but we are in this world and we are totally immersed in it. We are not, we're not trying to run away or be Teflon coated. We are here. Let the light of Jesus Christ shine through us. That's, that's how we see the world. And then we see the world crucified. We see the world's sins have been put away. We see that many people's eyes are blinded. They don't see who they are. They don't see who God is. They haven't discovered that Jesus is the way to God. But we need to give them the light. You know, I wish I had time, but I'm running out of time here now to quote 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19, where it says that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. It doesn't say that God reconciled himself to the world. You know why? Because God never had an ax to grind with the world. Even when Adam sinned, God didn't have an ax to grind with Adam. No, God still loved Adam, but Adam turned. Adam walked away. Adam's mind was darkened. Our minds have been darkened. We need to turn the world to see. Oh, look who God really is. Look what God has done for you. God doesn't hold your trespasses against you. Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Oh, you know, this is teaching for Christians, but it's also for you. I say, I need to receive this. Sometimes people say to me, Peter, the way you talk about the gospel, I think it just rings true in my heart, and I want to I receive it. Maybe you're watching. Maybe you're tuning in live, or maybe you watch this, and it's probably being repeated in a few different time zones. W would you say, I, I, I need to know that my sins are forgiven. I need to know that Christ lives in me. Would you pray with me right now? Would you say, Heavenly Father, thank you that Jesus came and died and rose again. And, and thank you that my sins were put away. I turn from, I repent, I change my mind uh, from self-sufficiency, thinking that I could cleanse myself from sin, and I, I received the gift of the forgiveness of sin through Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.